episode 32 of our weekly Cricket Her vodcast. We are at home again and we are going to be talking about several different bits of news this week. First up, we've heard in the last few days that Ireland are going to be playing Scotland in some 50 over matches and some 20 over internationals at La Manga in Spain at the end of November. So that seems like good news, doesn't it, Sid? Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, so they're playing two 50-over games, which are not going to be officially internationals because um, Scotland's not a full member nation of the ICC, uh, and then three T20 internationals. Um, and I just think that it's a really smart idea to get over there to Spain. And um, you know, here's here's Spain, and La Manga's about halfway, two thirds of the way down the the right-hand side of Spain. The weather's there; it's going to be great. I've been near there uh, at Christmas in the past, and it's been t-shirt weather. Um, so it's going to be warm. There's not likely to be rain. Um, you know, I mean, okay, sod's law says there probably will be some rain come along because <laughs> you know it comes along. But um, you know, I think it's a really smart idea to get the to get their players some cricket. And I think it's also something that England maybe should be, should be looking at as well in in times like these where it's where it's difficult. You know, you're, you're struggling to find the the times that where you can actually go and play cricket. You know, let's be imaginative, like Scotland and Ireland live in, and go. Well, you know, we can play cricket in Spain. There's nothing to stop us. Let's go do it. So fantastic, and um, I think that, that you know the players are going to love going out there. They're going to have a great time. They're going to get some proper cricket. Will it be warmer than Derby? I I think that there's a, a very strong likelihood that it will be warmer than Derby. Lovely. Um, but who's going to win? Do you think, Raf? That's an interesting question. I mean, obviously Ireland, the higher ranked side, but. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't know um, to what extent we're going to be able to follow them from here, um, but I guess that we'll at least be able to see scorecards, at the very least. Um, But yeah, going to be interesting to see what happens. In the sense of um, Ireland have got quite a few of their um, top players missing, or MIA, missing in Australia. Um, I believe that some of them are out there playing club cricket over the winter. And obviously um, they don't have Kim Garth anymore. She is MIA permanently um whereas scotland have obviously got um catherine and sarah bryce um the uh very own scotland's very own smash sisters um you might term them who have obviously had a really successful time for the lightning in the rachel ao flint trophy um and will be looking to continue that amazing run of form between them and actually have um between the two of them have played more top level cricket over the last few months than anyone from any of the from any of the sides um so you would think that scotland could potentially um rack up some wins there and um that could be really interesting for them particularly as we kind of go into um you know, a period where there's going to be qualification tournaments coming up, potentially for the uh, for the World Cups and the Commonwealth Games. Um, that could be a bit of a fillet for them, couldn't it? So it's going to be really exciting to see what happens. Um, now, the Women's Big Bash League, um, whatever edition this is, has got underway earlier today, much earlier today, if you're in English. Um, so, Sid, now you're, you are a well-known, loyal Hobart Hurricanes fan. How's it going so far? Well, it was it was it was a it was a strong start. Um, uh, Megan shoot bowled a wide first up, but kind of went downhill from there. If you're <laughs> if you're a Hurricanes fan, Megan shoot took a wicket. The next ball, Rachel Priest for a golden duck. I believe it's a golden duck, um, even though she actually sort of faced one illegitimate delivery. 
Um, and then Hayley Matthews, another golden duck. So two legitimate deliveries, and they were two wickets down, boss with their two best players. Um, and it kind of went downhill from there. They got bowled out for 80-odd, um, and, you know, strikers took, took no time at all to, to get those runs. So it wasn't great if you're a Hurricanes fan, but, you know, I think that if you're a Hurricanes fan, this is probably a life you've got used to now. Um, I understand this is largely also true in, in the other game. Well, they did, they did win it a couple of years ago in the men's okay. game, didn't they? Okay. I think. Um, they certainly had a couple, one season where they did very well. I might have got to the final. Just I'm not be sure. a bit careful talking about men's cricket on here. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, are you, are you still supporting them, Sid? Oh, of course. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think now's the time to, to, to ditch them in their hour of need. But I think it, I fear this season could be their hour of need. Now the Canes were beaten by, essentially by um, a bit of an effort from one of your other favourite players, weren't they, Sid? Yeah, Laura Wolfart had a great game. Um, I remember seeing her score her first international century against Ireland, sort of four or five years ago when she was seventeen. And you know, as there sometimes are when people do well against Ireland, they're always question marks against Kenya. They they can do it against Ireland, but can they do it against real opposition? But Laura Wolfart. The last couple of years has, you know, really, you know, become a quality, quality player, um, and she's done it against all the big teams. She ne- so nearly got um, South Africa, of course, to the T20 World Cup final. Yeah. Um, and you know, she did it against. Uh, she the, the highlights, if you can catch the highlights of that game, um, she played beautifully. She was driving just so nicely, and um, she just looks like, you know. Uh, a top top player and she's going to be a top top player for many years to come so really exciting to see and she, she managed to get a 50 despite the fact they were only chasing 80 something so you know that shows you that she was really motoring absolutely yeah and it's um striking that a few years ago she was very much striking because she's a striker yeah striking. exactly very i was good. wondering if you were going to pick up on that pun um it's striking that a few years ago she was considered and very much considered herself a 50 over player and is obviously now very, very capable in the shorter format, so that's great to see. Now, there was one other game that managed to get played today. We were meant to have four, but the other two were basically... One of them was completely rained off, and the other one um, ended up being a no result because of rain. Um, but the, the other one that did manage to get completely played was um, Scorchers against the Heat. What happened in that one, Sid? Uh, well, the Brisbane Heat won that one. Um, that was a bit more of a close game. Scorchers got 130-odd, um, and the Brisbane Heat chased them down. Grace Harris... Um, did Grace Harris things, um, scored scored 50 runs reasonably sm- smartly, um, and that was enough to to get them within touching distance. She actually got out towards the end, um, but you know they finished it off reasonably easily. Now the, the heat is going to be really interesting this season, of course, because they'd lost players, and we were like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. the, it's, the, the whole competition is going to be rebalancing away from the heat. But they've come out of the blocks, and. You know, done it again, haven't they, Raf? And against your favourite team, the, the Scorchers. <laughs> yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Sid. Um, yeah, so a few days ago, we were sort of making predictions amongst ourselves, weren't we? And I said that I thought that Perth Scorchers might go on and, and win this tournament. Now, they haven't had a particularly good start, have they? But they have um, picked up a couple of very, very good acquisitions. Um, they've got They've recruited Sophie Devine, who was the player of the tournament last WBBL, and also Beth Mooney, who's going to be opening up with her, um, who was, of course, the player of the tournament in the World Cup in Australia. So two very, very quality players um, who, who are going to be at the top of their batting order. And I just think that they have got a lot of strength with the bat this season. Potentially, they might struggle with, with the bowling a little bit more. But, um, yeah, I think that um, Perth Scorchers were the, the team that I was thinking 
might go on and win, so I suppose I'd better support that, even with the result that's come in. No, I mean, it wasn't a terrible result for them, yeah. They got 130, all, the, all their top four all got starts, Amy Jones got a bit of a start mm. um, as well, but they, no, no one actually pushed on in that mm. case, and that was really their problem there. No one pushed on to a big score, they all got out for sort of around 30. So who so. do you think is going to win then, Sid? Come on, put your money where your mouth is. Well, obviously, obviously the Hurricanes, Raph. Oh, Okay. Hang on, no, no, no. We need to. Sorry, uh, reshoot that. <laughs> so, who do you who think is going to win? Sid? Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> um, well, you know these 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 tournaments are difficult to call. You know these are strange times, but I can, I can definitely see. I can feel a Sydney Sydney final coming on. Ooh. Um, that's what I think. I think the the Sydney Sixers. You know the the Real Madrid of women's cricket. <laughs> um, so they're gonna they're gonna be right up there with their superstar lineup. But the Sydney Thunder, um, you know, with Heather Knight and Tammy Beaumont in their lineup, you know, they're gonna make runs and they're gonna be a difficult side to beat. So a Sydney Sydney final, that's what I reckon's gonna happen and you know, who knows off after that. Okay. What do you think? Well, I've just still said on for the scorchers, Raph? Still yeah. still think that that's where it's going. I've just said that I have to stick to my original prediction, I'm afraid. No rewinding the tape for this girl. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Melbourne teams get on, isn't it? Um, obviously, here in the UK, where things have just basically been completely chaotic for the entire country, um, we maybe don't appreciate so much the fact that in Aust in most of Australia, normal life, to an extent, has, has been going on. But in Melbourne, um, it, it hasn't necessarily been to the same extent. Um, and so, therefore, those teams, those the, the couple of Melbourne teams, um, are haven't been able to train. Um, as, as squads to the extent that the other teams have um, and so potentially might struggle um, and that includes Meg Lanning's new side doesn't it? Uh, it does, her new old side um, yes. but you know Meg Lanning uh, they, 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 they did get a bat today although that game wasn't completed and mm. Meg Lanning made runs again um, So basically she doesn't need to practice? Well, <laughs> you know Annabelle Sutherland also looked in good form okay. I, watched, I watched that innings um, so you know and you can never discount a side with Meg Lanning in it right? No, you can't. You, you'd be a fool to do so. <laughs> okay, uh, well, we'll keep bringing you news from the, not quite the front line of the WBBL, given that we're 10,000 miles away, but, you know, as, as close as we can get to the front line. <laughs> now, the final thing that we were going to talk about today is the fact that over the next couple of weeks, the ECB are going to be announcing um, the next tranche of domestic contracts. Um, so the idea was to announce... 40 contracts overall by the end of October. We've already had 25 um, contracts announced, um, which were the uh, retainer contracts um, that have been running for the last few months. And we know that all those 25 players will now get bumped up to, um, to being uh, kind of permanently contracted players. So they're gonna get a bit of a pay rise, we assume, based on the figures that we've previously been given. Um, but also we're going to get 15 brand new contracts um, we're going to get 15 players being awarded those aren't we we are so who do you think who do you think deserves a contract Raph? well that's a great question um, I think one of the one of the tricky things is actually balancing the contracts um, amongst the different sides because we believe that each contract each each of the regions is meant to end up with the same number of contracted players and actually some of the regions seem to have kind of more candidates for these domestic contracts than others based on performances in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Trophy. Um, so particularly Western Storm, I think. Um, and the obvious candidate to me, looking at the numbers, is Georgia Hennessy. Um, so she took 11 wickets at 4.8 in the competition. 
in the Rachel Hayo Flint Trophy, um, and she scored 209 runs, um, which was mainly based on two really great innings, um, including a century against the Sunrisers. Um, and so I think um, she's definitely in with a shout. So many years ago, she was in the England Academy and was considered the future England prospect. Um, but she's had a bit of a, a tricky few years, I think. So I interviewed her um, on the very first day of the competition, actually, when we were at Beckenham watching the storm. And I think she took four wickets on that day. Um, and she was very open about the fact that she struggled over the last uh, over the last few years, that a couple of years ago, um, she'd got to a kind of difficult place mentally. Um, and um, actually this new regional competition has kind of really given her an opportunity to, um, I, I guess, almost reset the way that she thinks about her cricket and the way that she plays her cricket. And she certainly looks to be much fitter than she was a couple of years ago. And she said to me that she'd been working really hard on her fitness um, and has obviously kind of reaped the rewards of that in the numbers. So I think she's definitely um, up there in terms of people who have... Um, made it a really strong case for a for a contract. What do you think, Sid? Who's at the top of your list? Well, for the Southern Vipers, um, it's, there's an interesting question around Lauren Bell, who's still studying at Loughborough, um, and you would expect will probably get an England contract as soon as she graduates from, from Loughborough. So um, just bypassing her for a moment, I think the obvious candidate is going to be Maya Bouchier, mm -hmm. um, who had a good season, finally got the opportunities to bat at the top of the order, um, and you know, get out there and you know, score some runs in a situation where she wasn't like you know, coming in at seven in a T20 match with you know, 20 balls left, yeah. um, and really prove that she can do it. Also had some fantastic fielding from mm -hmm. her, um, so you know, I definitely expect her to be one of them. Okay. Who else have you got on your mind, Raf? Well, it relates to um, to Storm having this dilemma a bit because I've got a couple of other Storm players who I think have certainly made a really good case. One of them is Alex Griffiths with the bat. 141 runs, a strike rate of 118, I think it was. Um, and that is a really impressive strike rate for somebody scoring that volume of runs. Yeah, she was the only player in the kind of the, the top 20 ranked batters that had a strike rate of over 100 in the in the tournament. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. Um, and she's kind of the right age bracket, you might think, in terms of people who could potentially go on and have an England career. So we know that the regions are, are being given, are largely being given autonomy in these selection decisions, but the ECB is also informing them and kind of assisting them. And I would think that the ECB will be probably pushing quite hard for her to be given a contract because at this stage, at the age that she's at, um, that could be quite important for her player development. Um, the other person um, from the Storm who I think has made a really good case though is Nat Wraith. Um, and I just was particularly thinking about her innings that we saw in person at the Aegeus Bowl. And obviously all of the plaudits that day went to George Adams um, and the kind of secondary plaudits went to Sophie Luff because she also um, had, a, had a very good day with the bat. Um, but Nat Wraith really supported her. I think they had a partnership of over 100 that day and they really did look together that they might be kind of getting close to that target. I think the Vipers got a bit nervous and you got a bit nervous as a Vipers supporter. Um, and so, yeah, she's been really important and, of course, has looked quite tidy with the gloves as well behind the stumps um, and given that England have got a bit of a situation where they haven't necessarily got any young keepers coming through at the moment um, I think in in the academy are there any keepers 
Uh, no, I don't think there are in the, in the main academy, no. Okay, um, and so that's that's a bit tricky, isn't it? That's a bit of a difficult situation that they will definitely be looking to plug that gap and she could be the answer to that, so yeah. Yeah, and of course she doesn't have to stay at the Storm. There's nothing to stop players moving. Mm -hmm. I mean, the idea of paying someone you know, an actual salary is that, in theory, they could move somewhere else and, yeah. and you know, go and play elsewhere. So you know, there's also an opportunity for, for players to move and maybe she's one that could do that to, to get that contract. Yeah, potentially. Um, any others on your radar, Sid? Well, I want to put in a mention uh, in a word for Claire Boycott, mm. um, who really impressed me when we saw the Sparks play mm. this season. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to admit it. I'd never seen her play before. Um, although Worcestershire, um, you know, cross swords with Berkshire a few times over the last couple of years, um, I, I never caught any of those games. Um, but um, you know, seeing her play for the first time mm. live, I was, I was really impressed with her consistency. Um, you know, consistency is a lot of, you know, what slow bowling is, is all about. Um, you know, if, if you don't have speed, you need to be able to, you know, be very naggy at the batsman. And she, she did that. And I was really impressed with her. And I think that she could well be in line for one. And I think what's really interesting about that is it proves that there, there have been players down in, you know, the lower reaches of the county championship that have been playing for sides like Worcestershire, um, where, you know, the, the side aren't, you know, aren't making Div 1 mm. and, you know, they're not making the headlines. Um, but there are some good players there and hopefully you know, the, the, the new regional system will kind of pull out those players. So I think that Claire Boycott's got a good, good chance of being offered those if she wants it, of course. And you know, I think it's important to remember coming out that some of the, some of the players you know, just won't, won't yeah. want those contracts, right? You know, Charlotte Taylor, for example, I, I don't think that she's going to want a contract. She's got a decent job. You know, she's a bit older. Phoebe Graham's another one almost certainly wouldn't take a contract if he was given it. Katie Levick. Yeah. Um, another one well everyone people who are already established in their existing careers and who are kind of late 20s and who are probably thinking well um, you know it's not necessarily a time at my in my career where I know that I can then go on and take advantage of that contract in, in a way so it's partly about is it worth that gamble of giving up the economic security I've already got in exchange for what isn't a huge amount of money um, for potentially only I don't know a few years so yeah, that's that is certainly going to be potentially some of those conversations will be had between the players and the regions. Potentially have already been had in some cases in terms yeah. of who got those regional retainers. I just want to finish though by saying, isn't it really great that at a time when the ECB are having to make all these cuts, um, and at a time when we know that it's a really difficult economic climate, that they're following through on their promise for these forty contracts? It would have been actually. Um, a relatively, um, it would have been a, a, a decision that um, wouldn't maybe have been um, too controversial given the current climate to actually say, well, I'm, I'm really sorry, guys, but we're just going to stick with 25 contracts for now. But no, they are actually following through on these 40 contracts. And that's so important, especially in the context of conversations that I think we were having in last week's podcast about trying to compete with Australia. Um, and, you know, even 40 contracts isn't going to do that job, but it is, it's a really important step along the way. Um, and therefore, you know, kudos to the ECB. We criticise them enough when we don't agree with what they're doing, but we should give them credit for this decision, actually. Absolutely. Right, that's it from us this week. Have a nice time over the next few days. Enjoy WBBL where you can, and we'll see you in a week's time. Bye.